دایی یه فرصت خوب حالا پشت مدافع خدا داد عزیزی توی دروازه گل گل برای ایران خدا داد عزیزی خواستن روی زمین گشت سرداراز بود به توی دروازه سرداراز بود گل به نام آزمون و برای ایران بزنه کریم ازداری فر Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Golbazan. I'm back, my name is Sina and I'm your host again for this episode. I'm joined today with Arya and Sahand. Also, before we get into this episode, I want to wish everyone a happy Yalda because we're recording this on Yalda. So... Um, and today we're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about all the games that have been going on. So we're going to be talking about the ACL, then Champions League, and then the Europa League, and of course all the um, all the players playing there, um, and then what the future holds for the for the European Championship. So, how are you both? Thanks, you know, uh, glad to be back on uh, with my friend uh, Sahand as well, and yeah, happy Yalda to everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, happy Allah to everybody, and hope you have a good pod. All right, let's just jump into it then. Let's go straight to the ACL. So what did you guys think about the game between Paris Police and Olsan Hyundai? Yeah, well, I got up at 4 a.m. here on the West Coast to uh, watch it. And uh, I would say uh, I was, for the most part, I would say positively um, surprised. I mean, obviously, we know that just coming into the game, Paris Police are missing, um, you know, four key starters and uh, real leaders too, and Vahid Amiri and Isa Al-Kassir and also the departed Shoja Khalilzadeh and Ehsan uh, Pahlavan, who had actually been playing uh, really well um, since he was transferred in uh, at the start of the, I guess, um, the kind of lockdown um, bubble that they had for the end of the group stages and then the knockout phases earlier in Doha. So we knew it was going to be a big ask for them to perform uh, well with that many players out. And in addition to that, they hadn't played a competitive game for three weeks. So I think that definitely showed in like the first 30 minutes, they were definitely, their rhythm was uh, not there and they were kind of struggling. But after that, I thought they stabilized quite well. And uh, after those first like 20 odd minutes, there was uh, they were, I would say, more in control of the game and they didn't really afford Wilson any uh, chances after that. And um, I think for the most part, they played a solid game, given that those key attacking players were missing. And unfortunately, as seems to be a trend with uh Iranian teams, both the national teams and club teams and key international uh, tournaments, there seems to be um, some mental block and uh, some mistakes associated with that that are coming back to haunt us every time. But for the most part, I would say I was positively surprised and again impressed with uh, Yahya Golmohammadi's work. I think pretty much every game he's had to deal with another set of challenges and um, problems with uh, personnel 
and with preparation. And I think every time he's put a team on the field that's been dangerous and has been able to score from both uh, being down, being able to protect leads. And I think that was the biggest um, impression that this Asian Champions League left on me is that he's going to be a, you know, probably the top Iranian coach moving forward. Wow, really good statement, really big statement. Arya, do you have any like builds on that? Like, do you think, like, what do you think could be could be done differently, like from the game? Because obviously, Persepolis lost, and it was it's pretty sad knockout. But do you think that anything could have could have happened differently in the game? Like any managerial, any tactical, any tactical moves? Like, yeah, what's your take on it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, San just you went through it perfectly there. Um, they missed a lot of players through suspension. Um, Obviously, lost a lot of players, but at the same time, he did have some young players that he, he did bring on. Um, one of the things that I kind of alluded to after the game was that um, obviously they, they did well. I mean, it wasn't as if they did they played badly. They, they did well. I mean, and from the players he put on the pitch, essentially they were the starting players that he had available. Um, for me, Omid Odishaw had a horrible game, and I think he's one of those players who's like. In the same kind of mold as someone like Mohsen, Mohsalman, uh, or um, Surosh Rafi, those kind of players who haven't really progressed in their careers. He's like 28 years old, but he hasn't really progressed in his career. Maybe like, even like a Bakhti or Ramani, you know, those kind of players who are young and good at a point, and then they just didn't get any further. I think he's stuck in that kind of mold, and he was horrible um, in that game, and um, you know, it, it just didn't work for him. And also, you look at players like Mehdi Shiri. Um, a guy who he was called up by by um, Skocic and he was in the squad to replace Najarion and he gave away the penalty for a silly silly handball and it's just it's just things that I think kind of hurt Paris Police having having lost um, Khalid Zadeh and all those players it did, it did affect them it, it definitely did and we knew it would to some extent but didn't think it would do it that much I didn't think they would have that much of a of a difficulty with you know, making mistakes, you know, silly mistakes and giving away penalties, and it did happen. So that was that was probably the biggest downfall. But I think one of the things Golmawari did maybe that I didn't agree with was not bringing on Ali Shojai uh, earlier on in the match. Uh, you know, he he's a good player. You know, he showed in the youth national teams that he's a young, talented player, good left foot, um, and he kind of brought him on. I think it was like one minute before 90th minute, 98th minute, 89th minute. So it was like, it's a bit bit wasteful. I don't think it was useful to bring him on that late. But he, that's that's a, just that's what he made. He made that made that choice to bring him on later on in the game. Uh, Ramazani came on. He did okay. You know, he didn't do too bad. I thought he actually, like we were discussing beforehand, he did have a bit of an impact in the, in the, in the aerial challenges. But I thought he was kind of playing out wide a little bit and, he could have done more if he was playing a little bit more central close to Abdi, but as what it is, you know, you can't really, really, you can't really blame young players coming on and not having an impact. It's just the way it is. Um, and yeah, I was, I was also really impressed with um, Jalal Hosseini. I've got to say, he played a great game. Um, it's just a thing that I just don't think they've kind of signed the right players. Bringing in someone like Shiri, is he the right right back for Paris Bodies? Probably not. You know, could he have just played Nemati there? I think he probably could have. That he was playing there the full competition up until the final. Why would why would he stick him back into right mid? He didn't do anything right mid, so I don't think he was really a good good choice. I don't know. I just thought it was a bit 
bit silly to do that, but it is what it is. Well, I mean, just sorry, build... yeah, just just like building. Oh, oh go on, go. Oh. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Well, I mean, I think the Nemati bringing him up from right back was just more of a result of having uh, Amiri and Pahlavon out. So I mean, he had to do something, and Nemati. No, I, agree, w- I mean, please. again, his options were like super limited, and I guess now in like retrospect, we can say like this player, like that player. But I mean, as we both, as we all know, like just looking at the quality of the bench, I mean, it's hard to say like yeah, this guy for sure would have made a big impact or not. And I think what to me is also like a key point is not only that they had four players missing, which was a huge impact, but the fact that even those players themselves were replacements for the earlier set of departed players. So within a 12-month time frame, he's lost um, he's lost Bayron Vand, Ali Pur, Torobi, and now he's lost their replacements. In, in effect for this game, which were Pahlavon, Ole Kassir, and, um, and, and well, Amiri, who, was, uh, who had continued from that time and was also playing probably his best football in a really long time. And so, yeah. you know, at that point, you're dealing with like your third or fourth string of players. So obviously the quality drop-off is going to be pretty considerable. But I think given that, they still managed to really hold their own for like most of the game. One of the things you have to give credit to is is actually Milad Salak, who he's a guy who hasn't played much football. If you've really, if you if you've kind of followed his career in in the Iranian league, he's only played like 30 games in the last three or four years. He's not really been a consistent starter. He's been injured a lot, um, but he's come in. He's been really good. I, I was a lot of people were saying, you know, should Kamya be in your star in this game and He's a guy who's come in. He's he's taking that spot, and, and I think the Paris need to look for more players like him in that kind of mold, who you know are maybe a little bit less known, but can really make an impact. Because I don't think they're gonna really sign any more high-profile players. I don't think. I mean, I mean Paris Boys still has their has their you know charm. They're they're gonna, they're gonna attract big players, but I think they need to be focusing more on that kind of youth. Um, yeah, good point. Good know. point. Oh yeah, yeah, I was going to ask you basically, like, and I guess you kind of answered it. You alluded to it, alluded to it there. Where do you think this kind of puts Paris Police going into the future? Yeah, I mean that's a great question. So, you know, I mean, uh, like Ariel was saying, it seems that their transfer policy has definitely shifted. And I think uh, if we're going to analyze that, we just have to mention the fact that obviously there's a huge exodus right now of players from Iran, in part, in large part, due to the financial situation uh, in the country. And in other part, uh, due to, you know, I mean, I think a lot of this generation of new players are, have kind of been, their careers have been influenced by the success of the national team with Carlos Queiroz and the emphasis on players uh, really trying to develop in a European setting as soon as possible. And so a lot of them know that they have to get on the national team or to have a chance of getting in the national team, they have to experience that higher level of football. And so a lot of them are trying to do that. I mean, like, for example, you have a player like Shakir Mohanlu who could have gone to Paris Police and instead chose to go to uh, Santa Clara and Portugal. And so you have a lot of those types of situations. But I think, uh, like Arya alluded to, players like Milad Sarlak, Ehsan uh, Pahlavan, Isa Lekassir, who are slightly under the radar players who may have been in the league for a longer amount of time and at one point were quite highly regarded 
but haven't taken that next step and are highly motivated. And those are the players that Yahya seems to be able to really get a tune out of. And that's what's really impressive is that he's taking players that in our league were kind of decent players, but nothing incredible and molding them into a team that's capable of fighting on an international stage uh, and looking quite strong doing it. I mean, we, we touched on a lot of the performances and obviously I'd just like to also mention uh, Mehdi Abdi, who is a player who is just 22 years of age or 21 years of age and has pretty much zero experience with any of our youth national teams. Um, and I mean, I was, I watched him at uh, versus Al Nas and also against, I think, uh, Sharjah in the earlier group stage games. And he, he was good. I mean, he scored a couple goals and his goal against Al Nas was quite a difficult one with the header that was behind him. But I thought his overall play was much improved uh, yesterday. I mean, his his ability, I always thought, you know, in the games I watched him, his, his hold-up play did not seem that good, and he seemed kind of not really filled out or able to hold the ball up quite well. But I thought his one-touch layoffs were qu- quite good. He was always offering something in behind. He took a brilliantly uh, you know, worked goal. And um, I think that that is kind of like the mold that Persuolis need to continue with. And so now we're seeing people like uh, Mehdi Khani join the team, Mohamed Sharifi join the team. Those were uh, important players for our youth teams. And uh, they're definitely guys with potential. And I think uh, Yahya can take their game to the next level. And that could be something really positive for Iranian football, where we see Paris Police develop into a team that's nurturing even younger talents and uh, having success with them. And so I'm I feel like, in a way, the fact that they have these kind of now financial limitations and the limitations of trying to attract big players is obviously has some negative effects, but at the same time, it's giving a chance for these under-the-radar players uh, that are highly motivated to, you know, provide success for the team. Yeah, I, I was very impressed with Abdi. I thought, because a lot of the, the previews on the game, I did one with um, the K-League uh, United podcast, and you know, they were saying, um, I think it was also the, the Asian Game podcast, they, they were saying that uh, Werner's Paris Police really have goals in this team, and Abdi's come in, he scored, he's scored two goals now, so it's good, you know, it's really good that the, that he's come out and he's he's managed to step up to, to, the, to, this, to, the, to the level and, and replace Ali Cassie. I think that was an excellent point as well that you made, Sahan, where, like, yeah, I think, I think the sort of mental state of a lot of young Iranian players has changed where they you know the ambition before might have been to, to stay in the Iranian league whereas now after Carlos Queiroz is very much like I need to get into Europe now before my before my career I mean I guess flourishes to, to stand a chance of actually being you know in contention for the national team and I think that that does pose like a, a huge positive for like the long-term strength of the national team and also giving a chance to young players in the in the actual domestic league whereas before I guess the priority would have been for the more proven players. Um, before we move on to the European competitions, do any of you have anything else to like add before before we move on? No, I think I mean, we can move. Yeah, I mean, can. just quickly, I mean, just on that point, uh, just to really emphasize it, we see that, okay, so it's, we're opening up a channel for younger players, and then we see, like, with guys uh, such as Ole Kassir, that these sort of players that have been in the league for a while, when they're come and now they have this big chance at a team like Paris Police, they're really willing to like sacrifice their 
life for that team. And it shows in their performance. And when you have this sort of, uh, I guess in the previous years, we've had this kind of um, element of stagnation with our big teams, where you have somebody like Ali Poor or uh, even Bayron Van, who have clearly outgrown that level of the Iranian league and need to be pushed to a higher level in Europe. And when they just keep staying and staying, they're clogging that space for a more motivated, maybe a younger player, maybe a more under the radar player to really come and show themselves. And so I think that's, you know, it's going to, it's going to be a positive in a way to see how that's that develops. Good point. And also, not only, not only does that, it also means that the national team progresses as well, because if, if they leave, we have more players going to Europe. And, and we have more players developing in the Iranian league. You know, no one's going to develop in the Iranian league once they're national team level. You're not, you're not going to go anywhere. You know, you have to get your career on track. Um, someone like Torabi, he took ages to leave, and he went to Qatar eventually, which was silly. So, no, I agree. I think, I think we have to, we have to keep on producing. Yeah, I definitely agree with both of you. And I'd love to actually spend more time talking about this, but. We have we have we've got a lot to talk about, a lot of exciting things to talk about. So I want to move on to the European competitions, starting off with uh, the Champions League. So we're gonna we're gonna shoot off first with uh, Sadar Azmoun and Zenit. So Azmoun obviously he he played he played four out of the six games um, from uh, one from substitute appearance against Lazio, uh, but they did finish bottom of the group, which is a bit annoying. Um, I'll start with you, Sahan. What did you actually think about the, the, the Champions League and Zenit's performance as well as, you know, Asman's performance? Yeah, well, I think it's good to preface this with uh, the fact that actually to, uh, in his career to date, Osman uh, has not had a more prolific start to the season as in like the first half of the season because he scored 11 goals uh, in this half season and they all came in the league and he's the top scorer. And so, I mean, from that perspective, he's done you know, quite well. But in the middle of that, he had uh, a five-week period where he was ill, and uh, that's how he missed, I guess, three of the Champions League games or was only able to start three. And um, so that had a huge impact on his performance. And like Zenit said that this was not COVID, but I think it, I mean, just speculating from being out for like five weeks and then how long it took him to get back to full fitness when he was back, that it may have actually been COVID. And we saw a kind of similar situation with Kai Havertz at Chelsea, who took a really long time to recover from such an illness. And so that was one of the big impacts on his performance, I thought, uh, and ability to perform in the Champions League. It's that when he returned from that, he just really wasn't ready. And Zenit were in a total shambles, really. I mean, they weren't able to score without him. And they had a lot of offensive trouble. So he was basically just thrown onto the pitch against Bruges and Dortmund. And they were like, OK, I mean, you got you have to make something for us because we're struggling here. And, you know, to his credit, I mean, he the two I mean, I think in those two games that he started against Bruges and uh, Dortmund, they again, Zenit's midfield was uh, struggling like they had. I mean, one of the hallmarks of their team in this competition was a real struggle to create chances. And from the three or four balls they fed him, he was able to score two of them, which were marginally uh, offsides. So I think it was disappointing from the standpoint that, uh, I mean, obviously we want him to be scoring and performing against the top, top clubs. But 
when you look at the set of circumstances that were accompanying him this time in uh, just how much Zenit were struggling, the fact that he really wasn't fit to start any of the last three games, but they or any of the last two games, but he did so anyways. I mean, I think, you know, he showed he was able to show himself probably to the best of his ability uh, at that time. And so besides that, I feel like it's hard to take anything just from how much the team was struggling overall. I think I think it very much highlights like what basically emphasizing what you just said, how like, well, firstly, like the Champions League is Asmund's competition. He absolutely loves the Champions League. He scored so many times in the Champions League against big, big teams as well. Like, like I remember Bayern Munich and then Atletico, like he scored against big teams. And again, it, it shows the the importance of Asmund. Asmund in in the Zenit setup, whereas I mean, you do they they still get goals from you know Artem Zuba and other players, but I think for the for the interplays it shows how important he is, um, and yeah he's back he's back to his best now. I guess he's recovered from from whatever that illness was, and he's you know he's back back in the team scoring the goals. Obviously they're at the Champions League now, um, but Ardia, what do you what do you make of the whole like yeah what what did this leave for sort of Asmund? Um, and in the Zenit setup, and like, do you think this is maybe his last Champions League for Zenit? Yeah, look, um, he has to leave Zenit. Simple as that. He can't stay at Zenit for an, another season. It'd be silly of him to stay there for another season. He he has to be playing in the Champions League. He he has to get more experience playing in the knockout stages. You know, it's he's a top striker. He really is. He's one. I think he's one of the best strikers in Europe right now. Um. And he has to he has to be in the Champions League, you know, proving himself at the highest level. Um, Sergei Semak, um, for me, he's, a, he's not a good coach. He hasn't done a good job of Zenit. Yes, they're top of the league in, in Russia. Yes, he's done well for him. You know, he's, he's top goal scorer of, of the league. But he's not a good enough. He's not pushed Osmond in his full capacity. I think, I think he can score more goals than he's done. I think he can do better in the Champions League. Yes, he had an illness, but he's a guy who I think if he goes to a top team, if he goes to Porto, let's just say um, Tarami didn't go, let's just say Osmond went to Porto instead of Tarami. I think he would be doing double what he's doing right now at Zenit. You know, he has to be at a team at that kind of caliber. Um, you know, I'd love to see him at AC Milan personally. I think that'd be lovely. that'd be great to see him replacing Ibrahimovic. Um, I don't know what Sam thinks of that, but uh, no. But personally, I think he, he has to go to a big team, and I think if he does, as I say, I think his career will, will will improve, and I think the national team will benefit from it as well. You know, I mean, so just, yeah, piggy, just piggybacking on. on that, uh, I think what this Champions League underlined, unlike the previous one where Osmond had quite a successful performance. I mean, he scored against Benfica, he scored against Lyon, and Zenit were at halftime on the last match day, they were sitting top of the group. And then by the end of that match, they were sitting dead last. And so that left like an idea that, you know, maybe with this set of players, if we just get a couple more players, we can go to the next round and we can maybe have a deeper run. And I think what this Champions League underlined was that that's not true. And that this team, with the way it's set up, with that coach, is not the maximum they're going to achieve is what we saw. And I think for Osmund, that is, you know, showing him that, you know, the time to move is really now. I mean, he's pretty much obliterated the Russian league. 
he's the top scorer again. He was the top scorer last year. And I think that Zenit's been great for him. He's progressed as a player, but now he's reached a ceiling there that it's not. It's going to be hard for him to progress any further. And I think, as Ario said, he needs now a higher level of coaching, a higher level of competition, a higher level of players around him to really push him to the next level. And I think now his age is perfect. He's 26 years old. He has good experience. He's a much more stable player than before. Before, he used to blow hot and cold. And now we see that it, we don't even go like two games without Osmond failing to score. So from the mental part, he's strengthened. Physically, he's definitely strengthened. And I think now it's just the time to make that step to a, you know, a really solid Champions League or even Europa League uh, level team with a higher quality coach that can take his game to the next level that we know he has. But Basan, just to like piggyback on that. Firstly, I, I totally agree with you. I think his age, like he's developed so much, as, yes, as a goal scorer, but also as a person. Like I, he's become so much more mature. I think um, before he would have these sort of tantrums on the pitch, whereas now, if you watch him play, it's very rare that happens. Like it happens, obviously, is a sort of character he is, but it's less, it's less sort of common. But secondly. How can you, how can you kind of, I mean, he's got comfortable. Let's, let's not like beat around the bush. He's got comfortable in the Russian league. Where else is he going to be able to get sort of the opportunity to win the league as well as actually, you know, getting Champions League, uh, Champions League qualification season after season? Like that, and that's, that's the sort of like mental block that he has to come over because you say, okay, yeah, he should go to Europa League club, but it might be quite tough for him to do that mentally. I mean, I'm not so sure because, I mean, playing in the Champions League is one thing, but if you're getting embarrassed, like how Zenit were embarrassed, I mean, truly, if you get one point out of 18 points possible, I mean, you, he might as well not be in it. You know what I mean? And so I think he knows that. I think he knows that, like, that's not, I mean, you don't get in the Champions League to have such a level of performance. And I don't think that Zenit are really going to be able to do better with the way the team is currently constructed with that coach. And so, yeah, I think that, I mean, if we're looking at theoretical destinations, I think teams like um, Bayer Leverkusen, uh, Leipzig, for example, I think he would be an upgrade on any of their current strikers. Um, I would say even teams like Wolves, Leicester, I mean, those are teams with higher quality players, higher quality coaches, and they're going to be in the Europa League sometimes, some of them, some of them in the Champions League. And I think that's the um, kind of team that he could have an impact, he could progress, and he would be in with a good chance of getting a lot of minutes. I think that's a natural progression. And I think that with players like Osmoon in these sort of leagues where they have this great performance, often what we see is if they don't capitalize and if they don't go to the next level and push themselves then often that kind of element of being comfortable that you alluded to, it can soon turn into a type of stagnation and then eventual regression, just kind of the natural course of things when you're not being pushed to your higher level. Yeah. Let's be real. We want, we want to see my AC Milan. <laughs> Well, well, one of the one of the like destinations that I guess has been speculated about, and, and Aria brought it up, was uh, was Porto. And we saw Porto play. You know, Medi Taremi played obviously in the Champions League. Um, three substitute appearances for Porto, and they finished second with 13 points. 
um, in a, in a in a group that was pretty challenging, like Man City, Olympiacos, and Marseille. In my opinion, like three pretty challenging teams. So, um, to finish second, I think is a pretty pretty good um, performance. What do you think, Aria? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, let's be honest. This is Tarmi's first season in Europe, and um, it was a good taster for him to to get some Champions League. Well, he didn't start any of the games, so he was a sub in, in games. And you know, again, it was good to see him just to get out there and and perform uh, in a big stage against top teams like Man City and Olympiacos and Marseille. You know, top teams uh, who who can challenge him, and and you can you control what he's got. But he's not gonna. He's not going to go straight out there and, and try and qualify for the, for the second round of the Champions League. He, he, this was a good taste for him. It was a, it was a good, um, you know, chance for him to show him. And also, I think Tony is a guy who um, he's he, he very much he's a confidence player. He has to be he he has to be part of a, of a team that believes in him. Uh, you know, Carlos Queiroz believed in him a lot. He gave him so much. He didn't start really well in the national team, Tony, but he he kind of progressed and he got really really good and built that. Um, partnership with with um, Osmond, and he's a guy who he needs the confidence, and I think he has the ability to push on next season and do well in the Champions League. Um, he, I think he's starting tonight. He's starting tonight, and he's got some of. The, I think he's getting trust from, from the coach. Uh, the coach is, is starting to play him a lot more. He's starting to score goals, and he's. I think he's like maybe five goals away from really becoming a top top player for Porto. You know, I think he's not that far off. Marega's a good striker, but I think Tarimi's better, in my opinion. I think Tarimi gives you that that cleverness in the final third. Um, you know, he, he's quick. I think he's quicker as well when, when he's trying to react to the ball. Um, his finishing is is usually quite good. He's such a consistent you know, goal scorer, but he he needs to be given the trust and the and the confidence from the coach. Yeah, I mean, just building on that, I think it's. I, I, Similar to Osmoon, like trying to separate the Champions League performances from like a clearly strong performance in the league. I think with Taremi, we can't just separate his Champions League performances from the context. And so the context is he's come into a team that was the league champions and uh, they had a lot of Champions League matches in a close frame. And so the coach was, you know, for the most part in his starting 11, he was going with the same players that won him the league initially. And then what we've seen is in the league, uh, after the Champions League games, Taremi's started more and more games. And now he's, I would say, probably their top, uh, he's always in the starting 11 for the past three or four games in the league. And he's providing a really good combination with Marega. And so he's progressing exactly as he should be right now. He's becoming an important player for the team. And I think those Champions League games, the fact that he didn't start was really, it was just like a little bit too early in his adaptation at the new club. But I think now uh, they really like, the fans really like what he's given to the team. The coaching staff really likes what he's given to the team. He seems to fit in really well with his new teammates. And they look a much more dangerous outfit up top when he's in the team. And so I think, uh, I guess they now have, oh, I guess we'll get to that later, but I think that moving forward in this Champions League and moving forward in future Champions League, he's going to be a key player for them. Yeah, I mean, you alluded to that Porto has been drawn against Juventus in the Champions League the next stage, and I'll get your thoughts on that later in the episode. But I want to, I want to move on to the Europa League now quickly, um, because we had a lot of players actually involved in that, which is really good because... It just shows like we have a lot of we've got growing influence in the Europa League where, you know, before um, it was like nothing. So 
I want to I want to shoot off with um, Moharami because I know like we've we've spoken about him a lot on the podcast previously. Um, five appearances, only one of which was a sub, and Dynamo finished top um, top of the table, top of the Europa League table. So I want to get your thoughts on that first, Arya. What do you think? Moharami is one, one of my my favorite players in, in the national team currently. I think he's a guy who it's like you know you have players who go to Europe and. For, let's just give an example. Ali Karimi went to the same club as as um, Dina was as Marami, um, he did okay, but he it wasn't like he he wasn't patient enough. You know, he, he didn't really give it a chance. You know, he, he didn't give his development a chance to to really flourish. Moharami is one of those guys who clearly understands that he is in a position that he needs to he needs to be patient. He needs to be given opportunities and he needs to deliver deliver when he gets those, those chances to play and he has he's done that this season and I'm really impressed by him um especially like you know he's coming up against you know teams like PSV um nursing keeping him out you know not letting him buy him he's winning all the aerial drills all the ground drills you know dribbles completed he, he's you know he's just doing fantastically for for the club and he he's um, displaced Stojanovic, their you know their previous first choice right back, who I think he's a Slovenian international. So look, Marami is a great player. Um, he's he's another guy who isn't far off from being uh, a a really top class right back. Um, I don't know what will happen. He's obviously extended his contract with with Dinamo for. I think in another two years, so he's got five more years left on his contract. So he's there for a long time, but you know you don't you don't know what happens in the, in the summer if a big if a big club comes in for him big money he could leave. And I think um, it wouldn't be surprising if he left. Um, obviously his team are now in, in the knockouts. They won the they won the group during the knockout stages, and he he has a chance to really prove himself on a top top stage. And yeah, I'm really impressed with him. Yeah, I think you know Sands watched his games. I didn't watch his games. I'll just be honest. I didn't watch his games, but from what I from what I've seen on the periphery, that he's just been fantastic for them. Yeah, I know you're a big fan, Aria. We we have spoken about him a lot on the podcast before, and there's a lot. Of, I mean, there's a lot of competition in the national team right back position. So, but you know, more competition is is better. I don't than think Romney's no getting in that team. I don't think Romney's getting in that team. <laughs> <laughs> well, the competition exists, is what I'm saying. The competition exists. Yeah, yeah, um, of course, of course. But I mean, we'll see, we'll see. So, San, do you actually watch the game? Yeah. So, just quickly, like, what did you think yeah. of his performance? I mean, well, first of all, I think we should start this by saying that Dinamo Zagreb uh, set the record for um, minutes without a goal conceded in the Europa League. I mean, this was the record. They went, I think, five games and about 40 odd minutes of the. Uh, last game without conceding a goal and so that kind of underlines how strong they were defensively and um, that was really quite impressive and he was one of the backbones of that uh, back four that was so solid and uh, I mean just touching on his progression like Arya said I mean, this is a player we followed since his time at Paris Police and since when uh, Bronko Ivankovic uh, recommended him to Dinamo Zagreb and said, you're going to sell this player for 10 million euros. And uh, I think he had some problems at the start. Um, he came from Iran as somebody who was like almost like a fantasy right back. He would dribble a lot. He had a strong uh, dribbling um, skills, but he would often do it in like potentially dangerous areas. He maybe wasn't as switched on defensively. And so it took about one year 
of uh, being on the bench and on the periphery of the team, and then a loan move to their sister club, Lokomotiva, uh, also in Zagreb. And that's when he really made that jump and solidified himself defensively and mentally. And then when he returned from that loan in January of last year, he was able to take over the starting spot. And so now we're seeing that with this new coach, Zoran Mamic, that he's pretty much taken his game to a new level. And um, in terms of his consistency and how switched on he is defensively, I was watching the game against, uh, I believe it was the game against Wolfsburger, the Austrian team in their group. And this was the game that they had to get um, the three points. It was when the group was still quite tight. Obviously, Dinamo ran away with it in the end. But And in that game, he had um, one instance where it was the game was still tied, although Dinamo were dominating. And then uh, the Austrian team actually broke through at the other end. And it was his last-ditch slide tackle that prevented a goal. And so he's had um, a lot of instances like that of just being way more switched on defensively anticipating potentially dangerous situations and then his quality on the ball uh, is pretty much there for all to see I mean he's rapid and he's able to dribble out of the press and pass his way out of the press which is super useful because uh, you know often we'll see that when they're Dinamo are building the game from the back they're actually targeting uh, Muharrami as an avenue to play out of the opposition press and so I think all indications are that they're really happy with him I think Croatian media was having a lot of positive articles about his progression and how he's finally provided a solid option in the right back slot ahead of Stojanovic. And um, they gave him a new contract. They improved his salary. And I think, I mean, starting for Dinamo Zagreb, despite it being the Croatian league, I think is not something to be taken lightly at all. This is a team that's pretty much exporting four or five players a season to top leagues. I mean, just recently we have guys like Danny Olmo going to Leipzig. We have Amr Gojak going to Torino. And so a lot of uh, more examples like that. And that's just in the last like six months. And so I think if Muharami progresses along the path that he is right now, that he could be part of that next wave of players that um, is going to Europe from Dinamo. I think you highlighted a really good point there about, about you know, patience and actually waiting for the opportunity to, to come up and just like waiting for himself to actually progress and get the get the results that he wants. One player that has to be more patient than others because, I mean, he's in the goalkeeper position and there's only one position to fight for is um, Paris Blue's favourite, Ayreza Beronvand, obviously only got one appearance in the Europa League and that was against Spurs. Um, they lost that game and... But, you know, his, his performance was, was pretty good, I would say. Um, Aria, what did you think of his performance in the Europa League? It was good. You know, he had a good uh, performance, 90 minutes, first 90 minutes on his belt, saving um, a shot of his balls <laughs> from Vinicius, <laughs> you know, and, and, and the free kick from uh, Bale. And he saved it, and then his, his defence weren't reacting to the rebound. So, in a good game. Um, obviously, his, his follow-up game in the league wasn't very good. Um, we won't speak about that too much. But he, yes, uh, you're right. Patience is a big, big problem right now for him. He has to wait. Uh, Botez uh, is doing all right for them. He had a mistake before the game against Tottenham, which put him off off the team. And then Bayerman came in. But Bayerman's a guy who we know is a top goalkeeper. You know he's a he's a fantastic um, um, physical presence. 
He's got experience in the World Cup. In my opinion, he's far, far better than Butez in all aspects. It's just that, as far as I'm concerned, Butez is more experienced in the in Europe. That's it. Simple as that. He's more experienced playing in, in European leagues, uh, and Bearman isn't. And that's probably his fault. You know, it is his fault because he's not. He's he, he went. You could you could argue that obviously he was from an area in Iran that's very very poor and he he didn't want to leave Iran blah blah, blah. but in the, the day he's not experienced enough in Europe so he it's, it's his own fault for not going earlier and and not progressing his career so he has to wait now he has to wait to to learn um, and adapt to the to the league in, in Belgium and 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 obviously now they're in the they're in the knockout stages so he might play but I don't think he will. But he has to show the coach that he's still there. He's still going to be challenging, competing for the uh, number one spot. And uh, I think he will get it eventually. If he does want to leave, I think it's a, I think it's a bit weak, weak mentality, if I'm honest with you. I don't think he should want to leave because it's still early on in the season. He's still got lots of chances to play. Um, he can prove himself in the cup matches. You know, There's not much that he has to complain about. He just has to get his head down and play football. I don't really think that he's contemplating leaving. I mean, I just he just had a quite a long interview with Iranian TV, and he seemed very content. And um, you know, hap- I mean, obviously he's not starting, which I uh, I agree with Arya to an extent that he should have left Iran earlier. But at the same time, I mean, just this very transfer with Antwerp. I mean, he he came to the team after they had already finished preseason, and that was because Persepolis weren't releasing him after he signed a contract with Antwerp and because they weren't releasing him in addition to the fact that he had to wait for COVID because he literally couldn't fly from Iran to Europe for about three weeks he was turned away at the airport uh, two separate times and that's why they actually uh, decided to get Boutte because they weren't even sure if Bayramban was going to be able to make it in the end and so I mean he but he's somebody who's dealt with adversity you know, his whole life, and he has a very strong mentality. I mean, in the game that he came with pretty much no match practice in four months against Spurs, besides like a shaky 10 minutes at the start, which is kind of to be expected, I thought he did really well with the, uh, the ball at his feet. He had he completed like 40 passes or something. I mean, like that's like for a goalkeeper like him who's never played out of the back, I think he did pretty well. In that respect, he made a few crucial sla- saves, that really kept the scoreline down. And he did good enough to start the next game against the league champions. And obviously that didn't go as well as he would have hoped. But I think he's going to be there for the long run. And I think, I mean, as Arya said, it, you know, his quality is there for all to see. And eventually it's going to show. And uh, I think he's going to be fine. But it's a great, a great experience for him, uh, as it is for all of our players. But I mean, especially when you look at a guy like Bayron Band and what he's been through in his life to be starting in uh, the Europa League versus Mourinho's Tottenham at the new London Stadium. I mean, it's pretty incredible. And I guess a lot of us wouldn't have thought that maybe when he burst onto the national team two or three years ago. A similar thing with Taremi suddenly becoming a you know important player for the Portuguese national champion. Uh, so it's just, it's really, you know, fun to watch and fun to see. Yeah. I mean, I think the key word is just patience. He's got to be patient. So moving on now to Sayed Manesh, one of my actually most favorite, like I actually really like watching him. I think he's a really exciting prospect for for Iran and, and, and the national team. Um, only made one appearance, but he scored. He scored against Leicester, uh, who Leicester just recently won today. So 
I think I think he's he's really exciting to watch. I I really love watching him. Um, so Adia, what did you think of his performance? Like, what do you think? Uh, like of his future in in his club? Like, yeah, just what are your thoughts on him? Well, I mean, Sahan's a big fan of him. Uh, as as am I. You know, I think he's a great he's a great talent. Um, you know, he made a very smart move this summer going to to Ukraine. Yeah, to Zoria Luhansk, he made a very, very clever move at that age. It's not always easy to make those choices because he was at Fenerbahce, who were a big club, you know, leaving Estevlal. Um, he probably had uh, a, 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 you know, a dream in his mind, you know, how, how it turned out at Fenerbahce, and it didn't turn out the way he wanted it to, but eventually got his loan move to Luhansk, and uh, he's done brilliantly for them, you know. I, I think the coaches have actually dealt with him really well. They haven't stuttered him all the time. They've given him little chances here and there, and they've given him little opportunities to start matches. He was playing as a midfielder, actually, in their last league game, uh, and he did really well. Uh, from what I heard, he played a really, really good game. He's got good work rate, good energy, so he can do that very well. Um, and obviously, the goal against Leicester just shows that he, he is a very... Um, talented striker. He's not the kind of striker that Osmond is, for example. He's not like a, a finisher. He's not a number nine necessarily. He's not a, you know, a, your, your typical striker. He's more of a, you could say, he, he's better off playing in behind the striker or just off a second striker as a second striker or even as a winger at times. He's got that kind of potential to play as a winger if need be. Um, but he has also got the strength and the tenacity to play off up front. So. He's quite versatile uh, in that sense, and you, sh- you, sh- you saw from the goal that he, he scored, he he set up, you know, he set up, he held he held the ball up, he played it to the I think it was to the midfielder, he played it wide, and he scored the goal. So he he has a lot to his game. It's just about you know sharpening the tools and and getting him ready for for bigger games. Yeah, I mean, Allah here is somebody who I think I've watched since. I think it was like maybe even 15 years old. So I mean, he's somebody who's uh, been with the youth setup from that U, that famous U17 team that beat Germany, and he scored a great header in that game, and he scored again against Mexico. And uh, you know, he's he's a player who um, he got an assist for Spain in the quarterfinal. And I mean, he's a player who the first thing that jumps out is that I mean, physically he's like he's a freak. Uh, He's comes from like a wrestling family in Amul in the north of Iran, and all his family are wrestlers. And for his age, I would say he's one of the most physically developed players that I've seen. And um, I think that already puts him at a huge advantage compared to other young players. I mean, we're seeing guys like Younes Adelfi like struggle to even put together like six weeks of being fit. I mean, versus Alohior, who is at a level physically where he can compete with guys like Soyuncu on Leicester, Wes Morgan, uh, Wesley Fofana, who had a lot of trouble dealing with him in the 15 minutes that he was on the field. And he was like losing all the aerials because uh, Alohior has a crazy leap too. And I think that, uh, like Arya said, it was pretty much an excellent move, an excellent decision to leave uh, Fenerbahce and living in Istanbul and, I guess... Uh, a team that really has no interest in youth development clearly and uh, coming to uh, this part of Ukraine that's kind of like far off and um, you know really applying himself and I think the fact that he only played one game was only due to the fact that the other two games where he was slated to play I think he was going to start against Braga in the last game 
his visa didn't allow him to enter those countries. And so he was kind of unlucky there, but he's done really well for them in the league. He scored another like two or three goals in the league. And he's, he's a player who has the raw tools to be a really uh, strong number nine. I think he can play out wide too, like Arya said, but I think as a nine, he, that's going to be his future. Eventually he has great work rate. He has great physical tools. He has great instinctive tools. He can shoot with both feet. He's very fast. And so now it's about developing his technical aspect, developing his decision-making, his timing of his runs. And I think Ukraine uh, is a league that is a smaller league, but uh, in Eastern Europe, it's known for their player development and their ability to nurture young players. And I think it's really great that he's going to be there for one and a half seasons and uh, I think there's even some rumors that this team, Zorya Luhansk, who are now fourth fourth place again, so they're on track for another Europa League qualification. Um, they got the money to fund this Allahiar loan uh, from Shakhtar Donetsk. And so, I mean, that's like a rumor in cr- Ukrainian medias, but I think there could be something to it. Um, and that if he performs well there, that potentially one of the best developmental clubs in Europe that right now is Shakhtar uh, could look to pick him up um, in the near future. So I think he's progressing really well. And if he continues like that, I'm sure he's going to be a big player for the national team in a couple of years. I mean, he's only 19 right now. and He's already accomplished quite a lot for his age. Yeah, for sure. I mean, another player that was in the same group as him was Karim Ansarifard. And he's a player, I mean, obviously extremely experienced uh, playing in Europe. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised that he had three starts and also three substitute appearances um, in the Europa League. I want to talk about him like fairly quickly because we talked about him a lot on the podcast previously. Um, but Ardia, what do you what do you make of his performances? Kaliman Sarifar is a very, very experienced striker. You know, uh, on the other side of, of on the other side, Manish, he's been he's been there, done that. You know, he's he's got that experience playing in the Europa League as well. Uh, with uh, Olympiacos, so he knows what to do, what to where to where to be, where to put himself. Um, but he's not the, his physicality is dropping. He's not quick anymore, and um, he, he 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 has done. He obviously, I think he actually got Player of the Month in the Greek League, which is you know good for him. But for me, the Greek League isn't that good anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just the way it is, the honesty of it. Um, but yeah, Ansari Farad, I think his um, his career slowly coming to an end for the national team. But I really am I'm excited to see how he does for AEK this season. Um, he's a guy who could could possibly come in like like you say for for Kaverizai or or Osmond when they're injured like they were like Osmond wasn't available in, in, in the last camp. Tarmi wasn't available either, so he could come in for that. But I would rather see a guy like Syed Manesh come in, or even uh, Shalb Zaidi, um, who are both doing good in Ukraine. So I'd, I'd rather see them too. But you know, he's still like a guy who's quite experienced. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And just, um, I mean, we we talked about him a lot on the podcast before. So, um, Sahand, I want to talk to you about Milad Mohammadi and and um, his performance in the Europa League. Ghent unfortunately finished last with with zero points. They didn't get any points whatsoever. Um, so I'd love to get your take on his sort of future in Europe and and like what do you see what do you yeah. see from going forward? Well, I think that with Ghent, the first thing we have to say is that. Last season, they were probably one of the most exciting teams in Europe outside of the top four leagues. I mean, what they were able to do with their coach, Danish coach Jess Torup, was 
pretty incredible. They were beating Wolfsburg deservedly, um, beating Saint-Étienne. Then they went up against Roma in the Europa League knockouts where Milad had a great game. Um, And they really pushed Roma to the brink and probably should have even gotten through that tie. And then something happened in the summer, and I guess there were some disagreements with the board and the coach, and he left. And it sent this the team that was so good into like this bizarre negative spiral where they couldn't win a game for their lives, pretty much. And um, they, I mean, that was part of a lot, uh, basically what happened to them in the Europa League, where they just couldn't win a game. Um, now, I think Milod, overall, the game, I did see a couple of his games, and um, I thought he was quite good in the first match against Hoffenheim, and then um, he was really unlucky not to score that game. He hit the post, and uh, I mean, overall, um, he did as he didn't have any really big mistakes on, in, until the last game when I think he lost his man for one of the goals. But I, I think for him, the situation of the team just really wasn't conducive to success uh, in this stage of the Europa League this year. Thankfully, they seem to have finally gotten. Um, back under control and they have their legendary coach who won the league for them a few years back he's returned and they beat club Bruges today and uh, milad actually had the assist for that goal and so i think his future is going to be okay he's still a starter for one of the uh historically top belgian teams and i think he's progressed a lot at ghent and we're seeing that you know his offensive production is a lot better than previous years and uh, he's still very solid defensively. And so I think, you know, the type of player Milad is, is just a very hardworking, solid professional. He has good physical qualities and he's just solid as a left back. And so I think he'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, it's disappointing that they couldn't build on what was a really excellent Europa League campaign last time. But hopefully next year, um, they're still in this competition and he can show himself again. Uh, and if not, I mean, there was some rumors in the summer about Leeds and West Brom being interested. And I can see if he continues with this current level of performance, like right now he has like four assists already this season. Um, but yeah, like there could be lower mid-table teams in the top, you know, four or five leagues that could look to pick up a player like him. All right, cool. Yeah. All right. Just to wrap up the podcast, uh, we've got three fixtures incoming in in the European champion championships, both in the Europa League and the and the Champions League. So Porto versus Juventus, Dynamo versus Krasnodar, Antwerp versus Rangers. Um, obviously Rangers, Scotland for you, Aria. Um, three three pretty different fixtures. I'm not going to go through each one um, individually, but Aria, what do you think about those three fixtures? Which one? Which one are you looking forward most to? Which one are you dreading most? Like, yeah, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't think Bearman is going to play against Rangers, <laughs> so um, you could say I'm dreading that one. I, ho- I hope he does play, uh, but I don't think he will. Um, we'll see what happens. If I can go to the game, that'll be that'll be great. But I don't think it'll be open for fans. Um, I, I'm really excited to see Tarmi against Juventus. Uh, Juventus haven't been particularly good this season in this area. I mean, they haven't lost any games, um, but they've been conceding a lot of goals. Their defence is a bit leaky here and there, so I think you could be quite dangerous against them. Um, I'm excited to see Dinamo, you know, Mahrami's progression with Dinamo. I hope he can go further in the competition. Um, It's going to be tough because, um, you know, who are they playing? Sorry, who are they playing in the next round? 
They're playing Krasnodar. Yeah, Krasnodar. Krasnodar are a good, good Russian team. Uh, so it'll be tough for him. It's a good, good chance for him to show himself. What about you, Sand? Yeah, I think uh, Arya pretty much summed it up there. I think uh, Taremi, I'm not sure if he will start in the Champions League just because uh, I think their coach likes to go with more, um, possibly sometimes five at the back in the Champions League or an additional midfielder. But I think he has a good chance to, to start, actually, because he's starting in all the league games. He's starting again tonight. Um, and so he's building up a rhythm. So I think he, he's going to play a part over the two legs for sure. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, like Arya said, I'm not sure if Bayron Van is going to regain his place by then. I mean, it's possible uh, since the game is a couple months away, but I'm not sure. I mean, we'll have to see on that. It'll be a nice surprise if he does. Uh, I think Antwerp have a good chance of progressing from that, though, and it'll be a quite an even game, I think. And then Mohair Rami against Krasnodar, I think um, they have a very good chance to go through. Although Krasnodar are a solid team, and they um, tied Chelsea even in their last game in the Champions League. But I think uh, Dinamo right now are probably, uh, out of all these teams, the most well-placed to actually make quite a deep run in European competition this year. Just because they have such a solid defensive base and they seem really in form. And I think this draw is not that bad for them. Uh, they beat Seska Moscow without too much difficulty in their last game of the group. Um, and so I think Krasnodar, uh, maybe they're a little bit better, but I think it's going to be a similar level for them and another good chance as Arya said for Mohairami to again show himself in the Europa League and just continue to show this improvement that's been so uh, nice to see yeah for sure all right boys I'm going to wrap up there thank you so much Sahand and Arya for um, for joining me on the on the podcast I think I think yeah we're really excited for these fixtures and it's always good to see um, Iranian players involved in European competitions um, as always thank you so much for listening um, to this episode and be sure to to follow us on um, Instagram as well as listen to this episode on YouTube um, and subscribe while you're there as well but otherwise thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in the next episode of Golbezan. Hey this is Arash Markazi from ESPN and you're listening to Golbezan, your one-stop shop for all your Iranian soccer news.